have successful list liftoff of a broadcast, but I think we had our first major hiccup. We've got a little bit of looping going on with the video playback. <laughs> the first freaking thing that happens on the show is a mistake. I love it. After all that planning and work, ah, it's no, no worries at all. We are broadcasting live from a facility, and I'm thrilled right now to be broadcasting just in general because... We're no longer doing this podcast from my dining room table and uh, no longer am I recording segments of the podcast in my bedroom closet, which was being used as a sound booth for a while when we were doing the podcast in its original incarnation. But here we are in a new incarnation of the We Be Rolling podcast. I am Rob Adams, in case you didn't know that already, and I just broke my own cardinal rule by uh, trashing the people that get up at weddings and say, for those of you who don't know me, uh, are we sick of hearing that or what? In any case, welcome everybody to the new, all new, live, We Be Rolling podcast right here. This is a a major, major thrill for for me right now because I've got all these little nifty toys at my disposal, uh, little lower thirds and uh, a whole live video switcher in front of me. And this is just the result of a ton of work. Um, over the past several months that we've been building this facility. Uh, Because it wasn't that long ago, it was maybe, I don't know, Seven or eight months ago, I was sitting around and thinking to myself, you know, I really miss doing the podcast. Um, we had taken a big hiatus. Uh, you know, I had some, uh, we had a, my wife and I had a baby and that sort of took away all of my disposable time outside of doing things for my business. So I really didn't have much time to play with anymore once that happened. So, you know, that we did kind of have to put the podcast on the back burner for the time being. And, you know, that would, I really wanted to get back into it at some point. I think I even tried to relaunch it again at another point. And uh, again, I just found out that I didn't have the time to do it. But, you know, we have this great facility on site where I live and uh, we've always had the dream of turning it into some kind of a studio for broadcasting or not even broadcasting, just for, for, for editing and for maybe doing some photography and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I just, in terms of the podcast, I said, I want to do something a little bit different. I'm not sure if I want to continue to do just an audio podcast. I mean, I'm a video professional. I know a lot about this stuff or so I thought, and, um, you know, I said, Let, let's go ahead and try to do some sort of a video broadcast. And, and, and just my nature in general is I'm not the kind of guy that likes to, to just go a little of the way I like to kind of go like all out. Um, so I said, let's, let's figure out a way to set up like a multi-camera live broadcast facility, and then we can use it, maybe, you know, repurpose it for other, uh, other types of things like education, uh, or letting other people come in and do podcasts. And you know what, uh, next thing you know, my wife and I are planning to outfit this space, um, into a, a broadcast facility, which is what we've done. And let me tell you something, you know, I got my start in this business in broadcasting. I started in a live TV environment. I was working in radio actually at the same time. But, um, you know, during that time, I thought I had picked up a lot of knowledge in regards to how to make a live broadcast work. Because I do know the behind the scenes of how it works and how everything kind of uh, gels together and what needs to happen in order to make a broadcast go live. And in this day and age, I mean, you're talking, uh, you know, I was in the business almost 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, actually. And at that time, you know, it would have cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, probably a half a million dollars to make some sort of a broadcast facility uh, that wasn't completely crude. And uh, nowadays, because of technology, as we all know, you know, we're all in the video business, most of us who are watching here, um, you, you know that you can, you know, for a relatively small amount of money, you can get into the video space at very high quality. All right. So I thought, you know, I'll take that knowledge into it. And I'll, I'll put together a studio and, and we'll start broadcasting. I know a little bit about, about the internet and how things work on the internet. Holy shit, was I wrong. 
I couldn't have been more wrong about how much freaking work and what has to happen in order to build a facility like this. And let me tell you something. This is not, I mean, it, it's a nice, we've, we've outfitted this space um, to be very useful. It's very practical. It's got a lot of bells and whistles um, for spending a very small amount of money. But it is by no means what I've seen on some other scales and some other podcast networks that I've seen. Uh, I've actually, I actually went and researched a few of them and just kind of saw their operations. And wow, we are not even in the same ballpark. But what went on to make this happen was just so far beyond what I expected. And I was pulling my hair out at times, I have to say. I mean, you would think, you know, with my knowledge of cameras, I could, you know, set up a couple cameras, run them out to a computer, get them to interface, and then, you know, throw in some graphics through a piece of software, which is basically what we've done here, um, and, and then send it out over the internet. You know, you know, thank you, YouTube, you give me this ability to, uh, to, to broadcast. But holy crap, I mean, getting frame rates to match and getting the cameras to sync to the computer and then getting uh, uh, frame rates to go out smoothly over the internet and running high-speed fiber optic uh, cable to, out to this facility to make it, you know, I was thinking, ah, we'll do it over Wi-Fi. Wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, this just to sit here right now and be able to broadcast live is a, is a tremendous feat. And I'm just thrilled to be, be able to bring the program back to you in this way. Um, we have so much planned over the next couple of months already, just in terms of shows and show ideas and guests and education and banter and talk that ramping up to the actual start of wedding season in the spring, I think we're going to have a nice head of steam rolling in uh, to really lay out some good content for you guys and give you guys a place to come together at the end of your weekend and just hang out. That's what this is pretty much all about. And that's what the podcast has always been about. So this first episode, I just wanted to take the time and familiarize those who are not familiar with the podcast about, you know, just you know, what this is and who we are and what we talk about here. And then starting next week, we'll begin with guests. As a matter of fact, we have an amazing show lined up for you on next Tuesday's program. And we'll get into a little bit more of the show schedule later on. But first, a couple of housekeeping chores. I just want to make sure we stay on track with some of the things that I told myself I would remember. But I'm so freaking forgetful. And I'll tell you what, this whole thing could go off like a rocket at any moment, meaning it could just explode. Um, because so much can just go wrong in this entire situation the way I have it set up. But that's just the way I work. I like to go, I, I go balls out on these things. All right, so first of all, let's go ahead and plug the Twitter account because I want you guys to be able to ask questions. Um, I do have TweetDeck open in front of me. Um, I'm not going to guarantee that I'll be able to read this live and broadcast by myself. Um, but there it is up on the screen. The we, uh, it's Weeby Rolling Pod, at Weeby Rolling Pod on Twitter. You can go ahead and submit any questions that you want to ask there. Uh, I'll leave that up on the screen for just a few moments. And uh, I do want to encourage everybody to ask questions. We have uh, quite a few questions that we'll get to later in the program. I think Q&A will tend to be something that we do a little bit later on. But, um, you know, we, do, we definitely have some good questions we'll get to. Um, and I'm going to try not to rehash things that we've talked about on the podcast before. But, you know, it is the first episode. We'll be a little bit uh, lenient as far as that goes. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't take a second just to thank a few people. I'm not going to make this show a whole ass-kissing thing. Um, but I do, I, you know... Talking, going back to what I was saying before about building this facility, um, you know, cameras and support and lighting and 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 making video uh, elements work together. I know how to do that. I'm good with that. I think so anyway. And I think we've done a good job here. When it comes to internet streaming, I realize I don't know dick. And my buddy Mike Parker. Um, who's a good friend of uh, a very close photographer friend that I have, or uh, is her husband actually? Sorry, um, Mike and I built this together. We, uh, he came in on the effort with me, and he, he 
took care of all the internet streaming and making sure audio devices worked and everything was getting out to the internet. So I know Mike's watching right now. I just want to say, Mike, I just thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're on board with this. And, uh, and he really is the grease in the engine here. And, uh, and it's just great to be working alongside him in this effort and bringing the podcast back. I also want to thank our sponsor, MediaZilla. Guys, if you don't know what MediaZilla is, you know, and, and we're going to be doing live reads throughout the program. Not many. It's not going to be an ad-filled kind of thing. Um, but if you're not familiar with MediaZilla and you do work in the video business, you need to have your head examined. These guys are on the pulse of what we need uh, as far as delivery of our videos and of our film products. So go to MediaZilla.com. Check them out if you're not already a user and uh, see how they can help you deliver products online and also physical products like USBs, DVDs, Blu-ray discs, the whole nine yards. Custom. We're talking custom menu online. Really cool stuff. One low price per year. Mediazilla.com. They are the official sponsor of the We Be Rolling podcast and we they're just great guys. They're great guys. I've uh, you know had a good relationship with them over the last few years. Uh, we had them actually on uh, one of the previous episodes of the podcast going back a few years ago and uh, they were just they're just great guys to have around. So I want to thank them for being a part of the program as well. Um, it's funny sitting here, you know, in front of the mic, in front of the lights and everything. It's, it's a little bit different than just sitting behind a mic at a table uh, and, and just bantering uh, and just having that, you know, just the flow going because you know, there's so many other distractions. And it's making me realize all at once I am freaking rusty at this. <laughs> it's not as easy as I thought it would be coming on. I'm like, yeah, I'm not nervous. I'll just jump on. And, you know, I've done this a million times and I've talked in front of audiences. But something about being in front of cameras it's never been my forte, but uh, yeah, it, it's just it's just good to be back. It's very very good to be back. So, before we get into like the real body of the show, and uh, I don't know, for most of you, you know, this you know, you understand that this is kind of a hang, and it's more about interaction. And uh, you'll see with the guests that we're going to have on the program over the next few weeks that that really is the case, and that's what we want this show to be. So, starting next week, February fourteenth, right here on the program, that's next Tuesday at three p.m., we're going to have a live roundtable discussion between videographers and photographers. We're gonna hash this shit out. We're gonna sit here and we're gonna battle it out talking about how we do and do not, um, most of the time, do not get along on weddings, unfortunately, and, and sharing that sandbox. So it's going to be a great discussion. And, and I wanted to bring in some personalities that were polarizing um, because I want this to be a lively discussion. This is not going to be a, you speak and then I speak and then you go and then I'll be very courteous and I yield the floor to you, Mr. No, screw that. We're just going to go all out. And I want this to be, and I want you guys involved too. So submit questions that you think are going to be pertinent to the conversation or comments. It doesn't even have to be a question. Um, Use the Twitter account to just go on ahead and make sure, uh, you know, you know, just submit through there. Just submit your comments and questions through there, and we'll make sure that we, we use them on the show. So with us on that show next Tuesday, videographers versus photographers, it's going to be myself representing the video side, obviously. Uh, of course, my beautiful wife, Vanessa Joy, who is right now in Las Vegas. I know she's not watching because she's got a, a crazy-ass schedule at the photo conference that she's at right now. It will also be Moshe Zuzman, who is a Washington, D.C.-based uh, photographer, a fashion and headshot portfolio photographer. He's also a wedding guy. Uh, he's been doing it a, a many, many years. He's just a great guy and a great, um, great mouthpiece for the business. And uh, I look forward to having him on because he's just, he's got great opinions and uh, he's not afraid to speak his mind. Just like I think everybody who's going to be a part of this panel um, really knows how to speak their mind. So we'll, we'll hope that that we want that to be the case. Also, I, uh, we're going to have with us representing photographers is uh, Leah. And I'm Leah, I'm going to butcher your last name. You know, and I meant to ask you what, how to pronounce your last name. Uh, so you, you, can, you can smash me. It's okay. It's Le I'm going to say Leah Bourgeois. 
Uh, I could be completely wrong, but she's from Popography, uh, popography.com. She's a great photographer. I had the chance to work with her this past year. We got along great on the job. Um, and, and being, um, it was the first time that we worked together uh, as a photo video crew uh, in tandem. Uh, you know, it would be great to have you on the program and, and just to get your feedback on how we were to work with. And then also just to get your opinion on working with, you know, asshole videographers and, and how that's been a problem for you over the years. So uh, looking forward to have Leah, uh, Leah on the show as well. And also with us will be Greg Lassick from Endless Wave Studios. Greg is a friend of mine. He's a local guy here in New Jersey. He does great work. He's been in the business for quite some time. He runs a very successful operation. And again, another guy who's not afraid to speak his mind. So we're looking forward to having this panel right here. Um, we're going to do a live round table discussion or square table discussion and it's going to be heated and hopefully get a little ugly uh, but it'll definitely be entertaining the following Tuesday February 21st we're going to have with us Craig Adams from Wedding, Wedding Film School from WeddingFilmSchool.com uh, Craig is an up-and-comer in the business he does amazing work and he's also taken on the reins of educating other cinematographers in the business I'm really looking forward to having Craig on uh, because he's he has a wealth of knowledge he knows what he's doing the guy is also very personable and he'll have a lot of great information to share so check out WeddingFilmSchool.com the 28th of February, the uh, following Tuesday after Craig is on, we're going to have a very special and a very special episode of the We Be Rolling podcast. Remember that back in the 80s? You'd watch shows. It's funny. I played the Jeffersons Open just because I felt like, hey, we're moving on up. Um, you know, I, I can't believe I forgot to introduce that and talk about it. But with the technical glitch, I kind of said, let's just get the hell out of here and not talk about that. Um, but that's why I played that. Um, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, so I love old TV shows. I love the, um, the old network TV um, sitcoms and the reruns. I, I grew up with that stuff. Uh, and, if you, you know, and if you remember um, back in those days, uh, you know, there was always that special episode where, you know, and you knew it was a special episode because at the end, they never played the, the music over the credits like they did with the freeze frame. It was just, you know, quiet credits because something really horrible or dramatic happened, like the Different Strokes episode where uh, Dudley got molested, and then there was the episode of uh, All in the Family, I think, where somebody was murdered, I don't know. Um, stuff you would never be able to show on TV now, just in the way those sitcoms were, were presented back then. But yeah, we're going to have a very special reunion show here on the We Be Rolling podcast. We're going to bring back all of the original panel members. So Leah will be here. Axel will be here. Courtney is flying all the way in from California to make a special trip appearance right here on the podcast. We're really looking forward to having all you guys on. Um, I would say Nino is going to be here as well, but Nino is in the Philippines. So he's not going to be able to make it. Um, but we'll have him on at some point in the future. Uh, okay, so that rounds out February and March. Uh, the first week in March, the first Tuesday in March, we're going to have on Matt Coza. Matt's another local video. Videographer, and then the following week, uh, program after that, March 14th, we're going to have on John Santos. So a couple of Jersey guys representing here, and we're just going to have a nice discussion just about the business in general. So, geez, that's it for the opening introductions and thanks and all that kind of stuff. So, how are you? I'll tell you what, it, I really am looking forward to hearing from a lot of you guys uh, about what, what's been going on in the business with you because, I mean, I've just had my head down working and, 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 and trying to get edits done and, uh, you know, staying on top of the business and I've got a couple of big destination weddings this year. So I've really been focused on that and building this facility and I haven't had much time for socialization for getting out there. Um, there's a cinema meetup that has, happens in the city uh, in New York City from time to time. It's organized by Mackenzie Miller. She's a New York City-based cinematographer. And I got, I got to go once. 
and I haven't been back since, and I really want to go back uh, just to just to kind of chit chat with some of my peers in the industry. And uh, you know, we've just been busy doing this, so I'm really really excited about being able to interact with you guys. So uh, so go ahead, Leah. Holy crap, TweetDeck's actually working, and Leah says I got her last name right. Boom. Wow. And listen, by the way, I know it's echoey in here. And listen, like I said before, things can just go horribly wrong at any second. Um, so if you do notice that there are some technical things about the program that aren't exactly working correctly, we're addressing them. Uh, this is definitely a, a, a uh, there's going to be an evolutionary process here to this facility because uh, I know the sound echoing is a little bit of an issue. We're going to get to it. So uh, try not to beat me up too bad on the technicalities. I think just the fact that we're broadcasting right now is a freaking... Uh, marvelous feat. So that's great. I'm glad I pronounced her name right. Looking forward to have you on the program, Leah. So what's happened since the last podcast episode? I mean, uh, I, I think the industry is changing in a lot of different ways um, and some of it not so good. And uh, I, I think as time goes on over the course of the program, uh, you know, in, in this podcast, we'll, we'll address a lot of that. And I'm, I'm, I have a lot of strong opinions about what's happening in the industry right now in terms of uh, um, brides and, and being able to book jobs and being able to execute. And uh, listen, let's just face it. It's not 2008 anymore. Uh, back in 2008, 2009, when still motion was all the rage and DSLRs were just hitting and uh, people were really adopting the short form style, um, you know, brides saw something that was so new that they were willing to pay top dollar. And I'm just not seeing that as much anymore. Uh, I think that there's a lot of new people in the industry, which I think is great. Um, I would never say that seeing new people come into the industry is a bad thing. That is certainly not the case. Um, but what happens is the, the price curve changes. The bell curve gets a little bit steeper. Um, and I think that's what we're, what we're seeing. And I've, I've had a lot of people email me and Facebook message me over the last uh, year or two telling me that they're having a hard time booking jobs. And uh, they're having a, a more difficult time staying competitive in terms of price uh, without having to drop lower than they want to go in order to, uh, to, to sustain their business and, and get a price that they feel is worth it. So um, yeah, we're, we're gonna address some of that and talk a little bit about why that is. And I'd love to hear your comments and your feedback of, of what you think about that. Um, but I, it's definitely an issue. I think I, and I'm, on my end, um, you know, I do have some great clients that spend quite a bit of money um, with their lavish, extravagant city weddings and some destination weddings. But in my backyard, I, I can't, I hardly book any jobs in my backyard here anymore. Uh, I feel like the brides around here can get it cheaper somewhere else. They can go and uh, find somebody who is new and willing to do it a little bit less. And, um, you know, the, the old adage is, you know, the, the, the people that do that, that come into a business and severely cut the price out um, in order to get started, what happens is they realize that business model doesn't sustain and they're usually gone within five years uh, out of business or they're forced to raise their prices and then, you know, uh, target a different market, a different sector of the market that has more money. So yeah, we're seeing some of that. We're seeing a lot, I mean, a little bit more difficulty in booking brides overall. I think that there's, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, being able to find a vendor anywhere in the country or in the world and then bring them to your wedding is, you know, uh, it's not a local business thing anymore. It's not like, hey, I'm the best in my market. I'm the most competitive. I can offer a great product at a great price. Now you're not just competing with who's in your backyard. You're competing with the entire world. Um, you know, so that there's, 
there's a lot of dynamic happening there that I think is going to make things a little bit more difficult for the, you know, the veterans who have been around quite some time who are finding it more difficult and lower and, and being forced to lower their price a little bit to where, um, you know, to a level that they're not used to being, you know, to where they're not comfortable. They don't feel like it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's worth I don't want to say it's not worth it because that's a bad way to say it. It's just less than they want to earn, uh, if you will. So, you know, that's one thing that's happened in the industry recently that I've noticed and uh, haven't really had a forum to talk about. So that's one of the big things we'll probably address on future programs, especially when we have other guests on to kind of hit on that topic. Uh, let's see what else happened. The drone regs. I mean, geez, everybody's talking about the drone regs. That That's a big thing. And uh, I, don't, I mean, I gave up trying to fly my own drone uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, now I have a great fella, my friend Charles King, who does all of my aerials for me. He does a great job. Um, I pay him to do aerials and logistics on the day, um, so I don't have to put my camera down and do it all myself. Uh, and it, it frees me up. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more money out of my pocket, but the way the price is structured, it, wor it's, it works. Um, but gee, I mean, I haven't even touched, I haven't touched a drone since the Phantom 2. I haven't flown, I've never flown a three, I've never flown a four, I've never flown the Mavic. Um, and I do have a couple of weddings that Charles won't be on this year, so it looks like I'll be buying a Mavic at some point to do that. Um, I'm also still on the fence of whether or not I even like the Mavic and the image quality. Um, it looks okay, but when I, but I've seen what can come out of the P4 Pro, and I, it looks, it doesn't look as, it doesn't look as tack sharp, and it doesn't look as, uh, as robust of an image, um, you know, but, you know, again, we're talking about weddings, so it doesn't really have to be, you know, movie studio quality. Um, but I, I really need to kind of sit down and observe the footage up close and get an idea of, 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 of whether or not the Mavic would be um, good enough for me. But, yeah, I mean, so everybody's uh, – I, I know of, of, of a few people who are going out and getting the licensing that they need to be drone operators. Um, I have heard of a few cases of people getting in trouble for smacking them. Uh, into walls and things like that, and into into people. Unfortunately, um, as a matter of fact, there was a story recently. Uh, let me see if I can actually find it here. There was a story recently about uh, somebody who smacked their drone into the uh, space needle. I just thought that was freaking hysterical. Yeah, actually, here, let me pull this up, and you guys can. Let me see if I can. You got to bear with me. Also, I'm getting used to a whole new system here of live switching while we're broadcasting. So if I'm, if I'm a little bit uh, off. Just in terms of that, just forgive me. Yeah, let me get rid of that lower third there. We don't need that anymore. There we go. Whoop, there we go. Um, all right, so here it is. Yeah, uh, let's see. It says, dramatic video footage shows drones circling and then crashing into the Seattle Space Needle. What was funny about this was I'm watching it, and this is what baffles me about drones a lot of the time. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this video, and it looks like the guy was getting some fairly decent footage. Uh, in the beginning, I'm just going to keep the volume down. I don't need the volume here. But you can see, like, he's, you know, he was getting some decent shots. He was circling. He was, let me go full screen here so you guys can actually see that, huh? There we go. So here you go. You get a nice little rise up. He's like, hey, that's a nice shot. Little jib shot of the Space Needle. Seems to be fairly in control. Gets up a little higher. And now he's, you know, up over the Space Needle. Again, really nice shot. So it doesn't look like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know, it doesn't look to me like this is an, a complete amateur who's, who has, you know, is the first time he's ever flown a drone and decides he's going to go to a national landmark and try to be a hotshot. This guy seems like he knows what he's doing. All right. 
still in control, no problem. And that's the crazy thing about these things. I mean, if you think about what's actually happening when you're flying a drone, this, something can go terribly wrong at any moment, kind of like this podcast. And, uh, you know, you can smack into somebody and hurt them. You can smack into property and damage it. You can, God forbid, hit a plane. I mean, I love video and I'm all for drones, using drones on jobs, but this, is, this would just terrify me. Look at this now. So he's perfectly in control, it seems like. He's just reframing. It looks like he's, he's trying to set up for some sort of a rounding parallax, right? Looking good, looking good, no problem, no problem. Now, uh, to give you a little reference frame on what's going on here, the guys that are up on top of the um, Space Needle there, they were setting up for a fireworks display. So these guys were working on top of the Space Needle, and I would have to imagine, just based on what I'm seeing here on the screen, that they knew that the drone was out there. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to miss, even from that, from that uh, distance. I mean, here he goes. He's got a nice parallax. And again, I don't know if this guy was commissioned by the people who operate the Space Needle or whatnot. And look, all right, no problem. I'm in control. Nice parallax. I can't do that. I'll be honest with you. If I tried to fly a drone, I probably couldn't do that. I'd probably do the same thing this guy did and smack right into the building. All right, let's show a little bit of the city. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not doing too bad, right? You wouldn't think that this guy's going to smack into the Space Needle. And, and what's hysterical is, here it is, when you actually see this, watch what happens here. I can't even explain what happens. He just goes, he just goes full out, and he just goes full speed. Let me see if uh, it's actually going to happen at some point here. There we go. Look at this. He just goes full speed right towards the people on the freaking roof. Oh, gosh. And I think it was like a P3 or a P4 or something like that. Oh, that's just brutal. I mean, not only does it suck that you lose your drone like that, you know, because it's in their possession now and you know they're going to call the cops. But what happened? You, know, you have to ask yourself, like, what the freak happened there? You know? I don't know. All right, let's kind of switch away from this thing again. All right, there we go. Yeah, so uh, drones, man. I don't know, like... How are you guys handling it? Are you guys uh, flying your own stuff? Do you have somebody who's doing it for you? I know there's a few guys that I know that are hiring other people to do it uh, just because they don't, you know, if God forbid you do lose your drone on the day of the wedding, who wants to have to go chase after it or deal with the cops, you know, or deal with, you know, you're flying over a farm and you're driving into somebody's tractor and now you got to deal with, you know, old McDonald on the wedding day when you're trying to shoot a wedding, who needs that, you know? Sorry, Charles, but if you smack up a drone on my wedding day, you're just going to go deal with it. You know, that's, that's the way it works, you know. So, yeah, drones, the regs, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I have no intention of, of uh, you know, getting my license for it. I just don't think I have uh, the time to do it, number one. And if I have to fly, I'll just fly under the radar. And I've completely just uh, put myself out there saying that publicly, but who cares? That's fine. What else has happened? Let's see. Final Cut Pro had a major update. Came out with a huge update. I actually had a chance when I was at NAB uh, last year in 2016. Uh, I got a sneak preview from Apple uh, on the new Final Cut Pro 10, And uh, we, were, we were at the moment just jonesing for something because we hadn't had, had a uh, significant update to the program in like three years. So, uh, you know, we were, we, we were waiting for something in terms of audio uh, to up the game in the program because it was, it was just... It was working with audio in the program was possible, but it was 
was not intuitive at all. And uh, they've, they've gone ahead and, and, and what we had seen during the Apple preview blew us away. You had roles and you had this ability to, um, to organize audio lanes and, uh, and work with uh, you know, individual audio clips in you know, a much easier to look at format. Uh, so being a Final Cut user myself, that was pretty exciting. And then plus all the other stuff that they added into it as well. Um, but that's still my primary editing program. I still like it. Um, I don't engage in the uh, Apple, you know, uh, Apple versus Adobe Premiere versus Final Cut Pro. It's a tool. Whatever works for you. If it works for you, use it. I know guys that use Sony Vegas. Nothing wrong with it. If it works for you and gets the job done, use it. I just being an, being a wedding guy, I just don't see. I can't use Premiere. I, I sit there and try to organize my stuff in Premiere and knowing how Final Cut can organize so much quicker and I just cannot. I, I tried it. I even said to myself, let me give it a shot and I tried to organize and start one edit in Premiere and within 10 minutes of organizing my footage, I was like, F this. I'm just, I can't deal with this. You know, not being able to just hover and scrub and drag in and out points. And that's, I mean, it's just, it's so much easier in Final Cut. Who the hell would not want to use that for weddings? I can organize an entire job in like 15, 20 minutes. You know, five different cameras all throughout the whole day, audio, everything. Have all my audio uh, uh, tagged and rolls attached to it in, in minutes, mere minutes. Uh, and then also just favoriting ranges. I mean, it's one of the things we'll probably delve into as a tutorial on the program because I'd love to show some of you Premiere guys who haven't seen Final Cut in action um, what it can, how fast it can really be in terms of the of the organizational process because it really it does an amazing job. And not only that, I mean, I edited a, I, uh, a wedding I shot in the Philippines in 4K in Final Cut. Not a hiccup. Not a hiccup. Not a problem. The entire job. I don't even think it crashed. Running it on an iMac, 5K Retina. Uh, I had the footage. It was like six terabytes of footage split across multiple RAID drives uh, with the library on one of the drives and the media spread across others. And it, flawless. Absolutely flawless. So Final Cut, man, if you're not using it, I just, I, and doing weddings, I don't know. I, I just have to question your sanity just to check it out. And go ahead and smash me on, uh, on, the, on the internet and tell me how, how much I'm wrong. Final Cut had an update. Let's see. What about the 5D Mark IV? That was a that was a real big thing that came out, um, and it was really anticlimactic. I think um, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at it as a potential next camera. I've got several cameras in my queue or my uh, my comparison list, if you will, trying to figure out what's going to be my next move. Because right now I'm shooting with the C100s and they're great, but if I want to do 4K, I'm beat. I've got to rent cameras. I've got to figure something else out. The Sonys, the A7S II, nice. You know, I'm not crazy about the Micro Four Thirds. You know, it's kind of like, eh, I don't want to use an adapter. I'm a purist. I like to just go proprietary lenses, but I haven't really dealt much with the Sony lenses. So, you know, I, I mean, I guess I got to give it a fair shot and actually rent it and check it out. I did use a Sony AR7, uh, A7R II for most of my wedding season last year on my Ronin-M. And I, I was very impressed with the quality. But, you know, I wasn't worried about using ND filters and that sort of thing. Just kind of keep that aperture way down. Everything's in focus. That's all I cared about. So, uh, and it worked out great. It was a nice light camera for the Ronin-M. But I don't know, man. The 5D Mark IV just turned out to be, I don't want to say it was a dud because I know a lot of people use it. And it is a great camera. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if, when the Mark III was big, if you would have told me that year, hey, next year Canon's going to release a 5D Mark IV and here are the specs. I would have crapped my pants. I would have said, this is, this is great. This is exactly what we need. Um, but that, 
I don't know. It just seemed to over underwhelm based on the other 4K cameras that were out there and how good they were in low light. And uh, you got, I've gotten, you know, and people who have used the C100s and the, C, the C-series cameras have gotten so used to ND filters. So it's kind of hard to go back to a DSLR that doesn't have that capability built in. And I don't want to be screwing ND filters on lenses. I have no desire to do that. No desire to do that at all. But I am looking at it. So I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm getting to a point in my career where, yeah, you know, I, I want to make great films. I want to do great work. Uh, but at the same time, I also don't want to... Um, I don't want to spend too much time on workflow. I want the shoot to be easy. I want post-production to be simple. Um, I don't mind taking some extra time to do some things that really jazz up and edit. Um, but I don't want to be spending a whole lot of time. I'm only making a finite amount of money on weddings. You know, it's not, like I said, it goes back to it's not 2008 anymore. You know, it's not the sky's the limit. It's not, hey, here's, I'm starting at 9,000. You know, book me. I'm the only guy, I'm one of 10 guys in, in the business doing this right now everybody's work looks relatively the same, which is all good. Um, so that drives the price down when demand drops, you know? So, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with cameras that are going to be problematic or things that are going to increase the amount of work that I have to do. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, yeah, who gives a shit? Who cares? Who really cares? When brides are watching your films, if you expose correctly and your shots look good, and the motion is deliberate, and uh, you know your edit is really solid, and the story unfolds nicely, and the audio sounds good. Do you really need that many bells and whistles? Does a bride really care if you're going to be, uh, you know, ND shallow depth of field as opposed to being at five six? Probably not. In that case, you use longer lenses, you use compression. I just think there's other ways to kind of work around things rather than adding more gear and more gadgets and more crap. I've actually tried to cut out the amount of crap that we bring on a wedding because it's just gotten ridiculous. Uh, at the end of last year, it was, it was probably at its worst. You know, bringing a jib and, uh, and I'm not talking about when I rent a production jib. If the bride has a budget to do a production jib where I outsource it and some guy comes in and says, okay, Rob, give me your camera. I'm going to set up this jib and do jib shots. I'll do that all day. I wish every one of my weddings had that. Uh, that's not reality though. Um, but I was bringing a, a pocket jib and I was bringing two different sliders and I'm bringing all these tripods. You know what? I'm just, I'm just trying to make it more simple. But at the same time, I think our films haven't lacked in the quality. So uh, it's finding that middle ground. You know, you, you got to make money. We're in business. We're artists. Yes, we want to make great films. We want to blow people away. But also the wow factor is not as, as, as much as it, as it used to be. I got to say, I've been sitting here the whole time just bantering and just kind of rambling on because I was so excited to get on the program and start talking to you guys. I totally forgot that I've got an entire bottle of champagne sitting right here that I was going to toast and just kind of uh, uh, bring the podcast back into, back into the mainstream uh, with a little bubbly, a little bit of bubbly. And that will be an ongoing thing, I'll tell you right now, when we have guests on the program and you guys come in and you want to sit here with me and we're going to shoot the shit, you better believe we're going to be drinking. I think three o'clock is late enough. Don't you? Don't you? If this hits a light and breaks one of my fresnels, I'm going to be really pissed. Mazel tov! This is the expensive shit, guys. $14. $14 bucks a bottle for this bad boy. I don't cut expenses. I go all out. Cheers. Uh, if you're with me right now, if you're wondering why I keep reaching into my ear right now, I don't have like some sort of a boil coming out the side of my head. I actually have this stupid earpiece in so I can listen to my video playbacks, which apparently are not working right now for some reason. We've got some sort of a loop happening in the audio. It's always something with video, man. It's always freaking something. Anyway, 
If you want to join me in a toast, go get a beer. It's uh, late enough, I would imagine. I can't get too shit-faced because I have to watch my daughter in a few hours. But I will drink to you guys. Here's to the Wee Wee Be Rolling podcast, and here's to having you guys back listening on the show. Mm, that's good. Okay. Onward and upward. So the 5D Mark IV, I'd love to know if you guys are using it. How many guys? Are, uh, how many of you guys are using the 5D Mark IV? And I don't give a shit if you're using it for, for, for photo. I'm talking about video. Using it for video. Photo, you guys have it so easy on the photo end, man. It seems to me. And I'm, I'm not trying to downplay what you guys, your skill and what you have to apply when using a camera. I'm just talking about making a choice about a camera. I mean, unless you're doing billboards and massive prints, you, you have like 35 different cameras to choose from and they'll all do an amazing job. And pretty much every single one of them will do everything that you needed to do for a wedding. You know, for video, we have to decide whether we are going to be able to do slow-mo or not. We have to decide whether or not uh, we're going to have 4K resolution, which is crap as opposed to photo resolution. You know, we have to make sure it has XLR inputs. And, you know, you get these cameras. They're all great. You know, they're low-priced cameras. But then you, you crank up the noise level a little bit, the, the ISO, and it just breaks apart. I mean, in, in the photo post-production process is a little simpler. And we got it tough on the video end. I don't think a lot of you photographers. That's going to be one of my main goals on this show is to make sure that photographers know how shitty it is to do video post-production. Because it really is. It's tough. It is not easy. But I want to hear from you if you're using the 5D Mark IV because, uh, frankly, I want to pick your brain. I want to know if uh, it's going to be my next go-to. Honestly, right now I'm thinking about there's a couple cameras that I've got in mind that I would really, I really wouldn't mind using. The Sony FS5 is one of them. Um, the A7R2, and I believe they're going to be announcing an A7R. Sony's going to be announcing an A7R, uh, A7S3 rather, uh, in the coming year, which would be interesting to me. Um, Canon, really, aside from the 5D Mark IV, I don't see me going to a next generation C series, meaning a C100 or 300. Um, it's just expensive. We got to buy three of these things. You know, I've said that before on this program, but the 5D Mark IV, I want to know what you think. Uh, you know, I've seen video from it. It's freaking unbelievable. It's beautiful. And the 1DC, I had a chance to use the, uh, the Canon 1DC, which is, first of all, it, it, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent here, but if you bought a Canon 1DC four years ago, you probably thought about killing yourself at some point. That camera, when it came out, was $16,000. Six, let me say that again, $16,000, sorry, for a, a DSLR body. You can now get it for $39.99. That was what, three years ago, four years ago? It's unbelievable. And it's a, a gorgeous, gorgeous camera. It shoots beautiful 4K. Um, the compression's a little bit more than I would want in a 4K camera. Um, and then, it, of course, it has all the limitations that, uh, that a DSLR comes with uh, as far as audio inputs and um, noise, uh, audio preamps, that sort of thing. Excuse me. <clears throat> but, you know, I would pick up a few of those and consider that making that my next camera. Why not? I'm happy with what it did in the Philippines when I shot there. So uh, that, that's also on my list. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm offering 4K right now, and if a bride wants 4K, I just go rent the equipment, and obviously there's an upcharge for getting 4K. 
But um, what are you guys doing? Is anybody shooting in 4K for all of their weddings right now? Like everything you shoot, are you shooting in 4K right now? And then just just uh, you know dialing it back to 1080 on delivery? Or what are you guys doing? I'm curious because you know there's so few outlets for 4K still, which we know is going to be changing over the next couple of years um, or months probably. But uh, yeah, so I'm just I'm I'm still on the fence. I don't know what I'm going to do in terms of a 4K camera. Uh, I'm just really, there's not that one magic bullet, you know, there's not that one camera out there where I go, oh God, that's the one. As soon as I save up enough money, I'm buying three of those bad boys and that's going to be my arsenal. Because right now, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with what we're doing with the C100s, you know, but, the, but things are going to change. Things are going to change. What else happened since the last podcast episode? Uh, Donald Trump is president. Go ahead. Uh, sound off, if you will. Everybody wants to destroy him. Uh, everybody wants him dead, uh, but we're not going to get into politics because that's not my thing. Not on this program anyway. What else is going on right now? Let's see. Uh, WPPI is happening right now. That's the wedding portrait and uh, what is it? Wedding portrait, wedding and portrait photographers international. That's the big conference in Vegas every year. WPPI. Uh, Vanessa's there right now. Huge for photographers. Uh, was looking good for video there for a while. Uh, has since gone down the shitter. Um, I know Jason Group, who has uh, recently resigned as the uh, director of education for WPPI, is a great guy. And I think he did an outstanding job with that conference uh, in terms of not only the photo stuff, the print competition, the trade show, you know, the, the, the photo education, but, but even so much for video education. I think he really tried to make it a video uh, attractive conference. But uh, it doesn't seem that Emerald Expositions, which is the uh, company, the parent company that operates the trade show and funds the trade show, uh, doesn't appear that they were on the same page. I don't want to say they weren't on the same page as Jason, but I don't, I don't think that it was the video was as important. Uh, so it just kind of fell off. There's not, there really isn't a conference anymore for for videographers. Remember the days of Weva, you know, Wedding and Event Videographers Association. You're going back like I think I don't think they've had a conference now in ten years, right? Um, you know, that was it. That was the place we'd all go as event cinematographers or videographers. That's where we would go every year. That was the place to congregate and build community and you had people. And since then, you know, there've been some other conferences. There've been, there's been a few others that are uh, much smaller, but had the right idea. And they've all kind of fizzled out like bad farts. However, I am going to be speaking in Brazil at Wedding Select, uh, this June, uh, and from what I've seen about that conference, but that's in Brazil, man. You got to you got to go all the way to Brazil to find a good uh, f f cinema conference. This is America, damn it. We should have a conference right here that serves all of our needs. Everything's online now, anyway. All the education's online. You can find everything you need online. Yeah. Hey, I see some questions coming in. We're gonna get to get to you guys uh, a little bit later on. I'm still ranting, still talking about the crap that's happening right now. So yeah, WPPI is going on right now. And uh, I don't think anybody gives a shit in the photo world or video world, rather. But that's all right. Um, yeah, it's a shame. It really is. I would I would have liked to seen more video content. Now, don't get me wrong. You can go there, and there are classes on video. My buddy Joe Schweitzer is actually teaching. He's been teaching one of the best classes there for the last. I guess it's like four years. Uh, he teaches a uh, three or four day uh, intensive class on filmmaking, and it just teaches everything about the ins and outs. Uh, and they actually produce a film and they show it at the end of the, of the uh, conference. And he does a great job. Joe's a talented guy. He's a smart guy. And he's, a, he's just a great guy all around. Um, but I think other than that, 
most of the other video education there. <laughs> Crap. But what are you going to do? What, are you going to be on a Facebook group instead? I don't understand the Facebook groups. I really don't. I don't know. Who the fuck has time to go into a Facebook group and sit there all day and gossip and trash other people? I guess it's like that troll mentality. It's that whole internet troll mentality. You have to be a special kind of asshole to be an internet troll because you just need to put yourself in a position where you're just going to tear anything and everything down regardless of what happens uh, and I think that's a lot of what you find in the Facebook groups. And it's funny because most internet trolls prefer to remain anonymous. But you get into a niche Facebook group that focuses on a specific topic. And people don't care about being anonymous. They'll just trash you. They'll just come out and say whatever's on their mind. And I've just found that I don't have time for those. I don't think I'm a member of a single Facebook group about event cinema. And if I am, I was probably added by somebody without even asking. Um, I have no desire to sit there and, and engage in negative discussion with anybody. Um, it's, it's actually crazy. Like, and, and the funny thing is, like, it's just a, a cesspool of drama. And, and if you're trying to get edits done and you're trying to run a business, I'm sorry, if you're a business owner and you're sitting in front of a Facebook group for more than 10 minutes a day, ask yourself, what the hell are you doing? You, you should be spending that time doing something else. I mean, look at this. I built a freaking broadcast facility. I wouldn't be able to do this sitting in a Facebook group. That's for damn sure. You know, I just don't understand. I, you know, and it's funny, like, and then I get trashed in the, in the Facebook groups, which is hysterical because I'm on, you know, I don't talk to, I don't talk to any of those guys. You know, it's funny. Recently I was, um, somebody brought up my name. Well, they didn't even actually have the courage to bring up my name. They went in a roundabout way to talk about me and say that I had undercut them on a job on a destination wedding. And I'm not going to name who it is because you're not going to know who it is anyway. Um, he, he had the balls to call me out in a group that he knows I'm not in to trash me to other people in the business. Like, what? who has time for that crap? And if you're upset about something that happened that involves me and a client... Why wouldn't you just be a man and come to talk to me directly about it? That's the whole problem with millennials. Nobody is, it's a bunch of pussies. Nobody wants to just come and, 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 and square off with somebody man to man. And if you've got a problem with me, come to me directly. What are you going to just go into a group where you know I'm not going to see your post and smash me? And I only know because somebody told me about it. You know, it's just stupid. It just, it just seems so, like, be a man. Be a man. If you've got a problem, find me on Facebook. Uh, send me a direct message or something. Email me. Go through my contact form. Like, come to me directly. Don't be a wimp and go into a Facebook group and stir the shit. It's just ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? Anyway, it's just I, I don't have time for those groups. And it's sad because with the lack of conferences and, and the fact that there are no conferences uh, for event cinematographers. Uh, the only community is in those Facebook groups and they're just breeding grounds of hatred and um, negativity. And there's always some freaking gossip happening, you know? So uh, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. I'm hoping this podcast can turn into some sort of a positive forum for people to come on and, and just interact and be real and be who you are. You know what I mean? It's like so many times I've, I've, I've jumped in, you know, and seen what goes on in those Facebook groups. Not that I've jumped in and actually joined, but I've seen like people have sent me screenshots. I'm like, 
It's just childish. It's like you're, I, you have to be like a sixth grader. It's like sitting in the class. It's like sitting in the lunchroom at sixth grade. It's like being back in elementary school. You know. Sorry, I already lived through that once. I have no desire to live through that again. But uh, positivity. Let's stick. Uh, let's stick to some positivity here, huh? Let's keep it happy. Keep it fun. Keep it light. Nobody's looking to cause any crap. Um, so anyway, I recently made a post um, about. A, re- a wedding that I'd shot recently and there was, well, let me see if I can pull this up. I wonder if I even, even have this queued up. I'd like to know if I do. Um, but there, I made a post because uh, I shot a wedding and there was a DJ uh, who brought lights and the lights, you know, they were those, those blue LED spots that come in the intelligent form factor. You know, they spin and they did, but then you could program them to beam light. And the room itself was very warm. It was it was lit very warm. Uh, the the, uh, the the all of the colors were warm in tone. And of course, our lights we were using were tungsten lights that were you know focusable Fresnels from across the room. Uh, so we had nice warm lighting, and the shot looked great. And then two seconds before the toast happened, boom! Here comes this big blue spot, and it just and it's it's so focused. And I guess they aimed it so high that it just cuts right across the the people giving the toast right here and just casts a blue light on their face and it, it was just let me let me see if i can pull this up here and I'll, i just want to put the post up on the screen so i can show you um what i'm talking about but you know it, it was really aggravating to me and then I, when i got there around to editing the wedding and i'm looking at the footage i'm like you know it just really kind of destroys the um the aesthetic of the shot and it's, it's sad because you know it was really well lit it was really uh, a nice moment and the, the speeches were really good and it was going to cut together and i know the bride's not going to care i know the client's not going to give a crap you know it's just you know we're artists and when we're sitting there doing our art um when you have to see something over and over that you know is just not uh, aesthetically or artistically pleasing to the eye, it kind of makes you cringe a little bit every time you see it, and it's just a little bit annoying. And uh, I'm just—I got to scroll, 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 see if I can find it here on my Facebook feed. I thought I had this pulled up ahead of time, but again, I've got a million things happening. There we go. Let me go ahead and pull this up. I'll just pull it up on my Facebook here and uh, see if I can get you guys to see this again. Pardon me as we deal with the technical limitations of the program here. So let me just go ahead and punch this up. There we go. So you should be able to see that now. Um, I'll scroll down so you can actually look at it. But look at the shot. So the shot itself is warm in tone. Look at the brightening room's face. Look at the background. You've got candles behind her. We've got tungsten light. And look at that freaking light. I know it's small on the screen, guys. I'll see if I can blow it out. I don't know if I can. Um, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So, you know, the, the post ended up having, you know, a good amount of comments on it, 30 or more comments. Um, and some DJs got involved in the discussion as well because it was, um, you know, it's, it's a hot button issue because DJs sell the lights to their clients. The clients pay for, you know, nice looking lighting. The problem is that some DJs and some lighting experts don't understand color balance. They don't understand color temperature. And that's what's exa- that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, a, 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 39 cent piece of CTO gel would solve this just by putting it over the lens. Um, but it, I, again, I understand they're not thinking of the visual of the day, but if you're going to sell lights to your clients, don't you think you should be? 
Don't you think you should be thinking about how this is going to affect the venue and the room and then your other vendors, like your photographer and your videographer, like how this is going to affect them um, by blasting this light? I, I love hearing videographers. We say, oh, I'm going to just show up and, with a sound system and I'm going to play my own music at the reception. I mean, yeah, that would be pretty annoying. It probably would screw th some things up. Um, but it would ultimately affect your clients, right? Um, I, it just comes down to education. I hope to have, I want to get a, a couple DJs on the program one day. Um, guys who know what they're talking about and know what they're doing when it comes to this. Because there's certain companies that I work with, uh, DJ companies and bands that offer lighting. And they come in and they don't do this. They don't do this. They'll ask you, um, how does this look? Number one, this is what we're going to use. How does this look? And if it doesn't look right, we'll have an opportunity to warm it up or change it. Um, I carry gels with me. I'll say, you know, cut a little piece out here. Just pop this over the lens if you don't mind. And that solves the problem. Um, but when this happens two seconds before the toasts go live and we've already exposed for the light that's there, oh, it's just maddening. It's enraging. It's enraging. I know there's so many of you guys who are nodding your heads right now in agreement. Um, but yeah, it's like, ugh. It's, and, and again, it's just one of those things where as, as the wedding industry evolves and more and more people are offering cross, as I call them, crossover services. I mean, we have DJs offering photo and video, um, you know, and, and not just, you know, photo video services of the day, but actual um, doing live video and uh, live photo slideshows as the wedding is happening. Uh, and, th and then you've got two more bodies on the dance floor. You've got two more people roaming around the party or God forbid the reception or the ceremony. Um, and the, you know, now you've got to work with these wild cards that are in the mix. It's just, it's getting out of control, right? Um, so it's like, what do you do? You can't get into a screaming match with a DJ or a band leader or a technician or a lighting guy, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? You, you, you got to sit there and eat it and try to work around it. And again, the client's not going to care for the most part, unless you completely botch the exposure. But anyway, I, it's just one of those things, but it's funny how much action this got, because it really touched a nerve. And I knew we were on to something a little bit, uh, <laughs> I knew we were on to something pretty crazy about that, uh, with the whole lighting scenario and DJs and that sort of thing. But Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, I had some other things planned for the program, uh, but because our video playback's not working, we'll save them for the next, uh, for the next installment. And actually, um, the video I was going to play for you today uh, would be perfect for next week's episode when we have the discussion of photographers versus videographers. So tune in for next week's program and you'll see the video that I was going to play today. It's actually freaking hysterical. Uh, it's of a photographer at a wedding that was... Uh, ridiculous. I'm just going to leave it at that. It was just what he did was absolutely stupid and ridiculous. And I'm not singling the guy out. We blurred his identity, but you have to see what this guy did. Next week's episode, we'll do that. Let's go ahead and get to some questions. When we first started the podcast, when I first announced that the podcast was coming back, I, uh, I put it out there on Twitter. The first couple followers that we get can ask some questions. So we've got their questions with us and I'm happy to answer them now. Uh, one of the questions comes from Tim Cartland. He asks, uh, hey, Rob, how the hell do you get around the groom's nose whistle during the vows? Does every man on this planet have a whistling nose? <laughs> do I have a, I, I'm a little stuffy. I'm getting over a cold. I don't think I whistle. Uh, he asks, does my nose whistle? Meaning his nose. I don't know. Tim, I've never met you. I don't know who the hell you are. Uh, what are the answers to these deep questions, he asks? Um, I don't experience much of a groom's nose whistle. Um, unless I'm not hearing it, and maybe one of you can tell me if you're hearing it in some of my films, I, it's not something that's ever jumped out at me. 
Um, I can't imagine there would be anything you could do except maybe ask him to blow his nose. I don't know. A nose whistle. I've never experienced that problem before. Um, I would imagine that you could probably EQ it out. If it's really noticeable and it's really on the high end, you might be able to use some sort of an audio filter, a high-pass filter or something like that. I don't know. You might want to try that. Let's see. Um, Scott Carroll asks, uh, can you talk about ceremony camera setups and related issues that may cause problems? Lighting, comma, guests, comma, angles, comma, etc. Uh, Scott, so you're asking me basically to talk about uh, my ceremony setup um, and any issues that come up in terms of lighting. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I can kind of give you an idea. I, don't you love when you're in the middle of a live broadcast and your nose starts to run? I need a box of tissues here. Uh, ceremony camera set setups. We, we really haven't changed much about our ceremony camera setups. Um, what I've always just said is we try to create a, uh, a space, a kill shoot, if you will, where all of the action is going to happen and we're not in the action. So we're always trying to position the camera so no matter what's happening in that aisle during the processional, you don't see other cameras. Uh, and we're always trying to keep photographers out as well, but that, that, that is very much more challenging. Um, it really comes down to, and I've said this a million times before, it comes down to communicating with whoever you're working with on the job, not just the photographer, but your own crew. And make sure that everybody knows exactly where they need to be at different times when the action changes positions and locations. So, you know, the processional, the ceremony, your cameras are set up in such a way where you're not shooting into each other. And then when the focus of the action switches now to the front of the ceremony, you are now, um, you know, I just realized I never changed back the uh, source. Um, so you guys have been staring at a small square on the screen for the last five minutes. Sorry about that. Um, so basically, you know, we're just, we're always thinking about how to stay out of each other's way. Um, and then in terms of lighting, I mean, we do a lot of Catholic weddings up here in the Northeast in these churches, which sometimes are God awful in terms of lighting. Sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they're well lit and, uh, the, the, the sight lines are beautiful and you've got plenty of, uh, unobstructed view, but sometimes it's not the case, and sometimes it's a smaller church with dark lighting. You just got to deal with it. Um, nobody's going to let you come into a church and set up flood lighting. Uh, I'd be very surprised. So, I mean, I don't know what more advice I can give you in terms of uh, that. Uh, guests, you did mention guests. Um, we do at some point um, inform our clients to please ask their guests not to... Uh, have their phones out. So encouraging an unplugged wedding is always a great way to, to combat that. You're going to get wild cards. You're going to get people that don't care about uh, the unplugged rule. You're going to get people that wander the aisles. You're going to get Uncle Bob and his Nikon D700 uh, walking around the ceremony. These are just things you just kind of have to deal with. The thing to remember is if you're doing a short form film, you have plenty of opportunities to cut around that crap. You've got plenty of opportunities to not have to deal with that stuff. Uh, you can make the other angles work when one is obstructed. But in a live environment, not saying that you're broadcasting the ceremony live, but in a documentary edit or a cleanup edit, whatever you want to call it, um, you're going to have issues if somebody is continually and constantly blocking your way. Educate your clients. I would say mostly and just try to, if you do see somebody who's being too much of a nuisance and roaming around like a schmuck, we go over and we tell them, you know, look, you're kind of in the way. Would you mind either standing next to one of us or going back to your seat? And, uh, that, you know, 90% of the time that solves the problem. So thanks so much for the question there, uh, Scott. 
Russell asks me, Russell Williams asks me, do you still use Final Cut Pro 10? Yes, I do. It is my primary choice of editing software for weddings, period. End of question. Nick Legaisky writes, Legaisky? Legaisky? I do, Nick, I've, I know your name. I've seen it for years, and uh, you're a great guy. I just, I can't pronounce your last name, and if I'm mispronouncing it, I'm sorry. Uh, he asks, what's your color grading secret? I love your look. Um, that's a, uh, it's very, very simple, actually. We've gone, uh, We've tried very hard to get it right in camera. I'm not saying that's all we do, but we've configured the look inside the camera across all of my cameras to be a good starting point for grading. So I'm not, I'm not shooting C-Log. I did shoot C-Log on the 1DC when we shot in the Philippines. Um, and yeah, it looks great, but it's a lot more grading than I really want to do on a wedding. There's certain cases where it's special. Um, you know, if I know a job is really um, different and I really want it to do, have a different look to it, maybe we'll shoot in C-Log and a really flat profile and then go from there using um, Denver Riddle's Color Grading Central Color Finale Pro. Um, but for the most part, we're shooting on a modified version of YDR in the C100s, and that gives me a good base point uh, to in Final Cut, believe it or not. I just use their basic uh, color correction tools, the color board, if you will, uh, to do corrections, getting cameras to match, because you know, using different lenses, you get different looks and different tones and warm and cold. Um, and to correct magenta and green cast. And then I use uh, Color Finale Pro just to sweeten things up if I want to add a little bit of curve to something or a little saturation. Um, sometimes I'll break out Color Finale Pro. But a lot of times we just correct the camera and then I use a plugin from Pixel Film Studios called Pro Retro. Um, and I don't just use any of the LUTs that are in there by their native parameters or settings. I modify them. So depending on the tone of the wedding, if it was a more nighttime, cold, rainy day, I'll use one modification that I have um, from one of the plugins. And then if it's a sunny, bright day um, and I want it to have more of a dreamy look, I have a different Pro Retro plugin that I like to use. Um, so a different configuration for that look. So it kind of varies from job to job and a lot of times from scene to scene. Um, if the groom's prep was in a man cave and it's dark, I will use a different preset excuse me, a starting point than I would for the bride's prep, which might be a little bit more light and, air and airy. <clears throat> so my voice is still shot from Super Bowl, by the way. Greatest freaking game I've ever seen in my life. That was unbelievable. I was definitely screaming a little bit too much that night. So an hour of talking into the program, and I'm already starting to lose my voice. So Nick, that's pretty much how I do it. I keep it simple. I don't try to overgrade. I don't crush my blacks. I really just try to keep things uh, looking nice and natural. Um, some people have said they think the skin tones are a little bit too red in my footage, and that may be the case. I just like the overall look, and my brides love it. So I'm really not going to. Uh, not going to. I'm not going to fix what's not broken. You know. God knows I'm going to have a lot of broken shit to fix around here as time goes on. So we'll try to keep the wedding workflow as simple as possible. UV Design tweets and writes, uh, what keeps you motivated creatively when editing your films? That is probably one of the best questions I've gotten in a very long time. How do I stay creatively motivated when editing my films? Um, you know, there, like, I, like I talked about a little bit before, there's a balance. It's a business. We're operating a business. So we can't treat every film as if it's a new feature film product. So you can't put in all this extra time. You can't keep reinventing the wheel and, and doing things above and beyond for every film. 
you have to have some sort of a formula that gets the job done so you're making money for the time, the amount of time that you're putting into jobs, but also you're creatively satisfied with the look of everything when you're all done and, and, and that it's a product that you're proud to deliver to your client. I would say 90% of that happens on the wedding day. Um, I'm creatively motivated when I get back into the studio and I look at my footage and I go, now that is awesome. I'm really proud of not only how my footage looks on this day, but how my second shooter's footage looks, how my third shooter's footage looks, how the drone footage looks. When I'm happy with that material, um, it gives me a boost. It gives me this charge of energy, of positive creative energy to sit there and really do a good job in the edit. What's demoralizing to me is when I have to sit there and deal with footage that was challenging, uh, where we had a lot of problems, or there was low light, or you know, lighting scenario didn't work out the way we wanted it to, or people were in the way. Uh, there was there was one wedding out on Long Island this year, which the film came out great, but I'll be damned if it wasn't one of the hardest weddings I've ever shot, just in terms of other vendors not cooperating, and not even so much not cooperating with me, but just the whole day was a cluster f. Um, and that reflect, <clears throat> excuse me, that reflects in my footage. You know, when I look at the footage back and I, and I remember at that moment, oh crap, that's when the florist was, didn't have the room done in time. Uh, that's why I only have a few shots of that. Um, uh, the, oh, oh, the audio at the ceremony was crap because the soundboard was a, a crappy piece of equipment. Um, so the audio is not as good. I'm going to have to put more time into fixing the audio to get it to sound good. So all these different things accumulatively come together and kind of form this uh, experience after the fact of how enthused I'm going to be about doing a wedding or doing an edit, right? So that's basically it. So how do I stay creatively motivated? I just try to shoot as good as we can shoot. And then knowing if I've got great material, I can sit there and bang out a very creative and fun edit in no time. Uh, and it goes faster and I end up spending less time in the edit. And if you have people editing for you, you're obviously going to save time because they're not going to be as perplexed as to what to do when certain problems arise in your footage and audio. So that, that's a big part of it, but that's a great question. Uh, ask yourself that. I would say if you're in the business and you're an editor, what keeps you creatively motivated when you're editing? Yeah, it's a great question to ask yourself. And maybe you can find ways to correct it if you're not motivated. All right, last question. Benjamin Nakasato writes, what's a good but easy sound audio editor? Says the DJ plugged my, unplugged my recorders at the reception because he thought my equipment was causing problems. Oh, that sucks, dude. Um, yeah, that is, what do you, oh God. If, if a DJ unplugged my recorder, you know, when we were using wireless equipment primarily going back several years, um, I would understand because if a, if a DJ was having interference on a mic and then, you know, he didn't know where it was coming from, if he just, you know, yanked my, my receiver out or transmitter out because he wasn't sure where it was coming from, I'd understand. But these are hardline recorders are never going to interfere with wireless mics. So I don't know what kind of problems he was having. Uh, Benjamin did go on to say that it turns out his equipment was just crappy. Not his equipment, meaning the DJ's equipment was crappy. Um, so what's a good but easy sound audio editor? So I'm assuming in this case, dude, you're trying to correct um, room sound. You're trying to correct on-camera mic sound. Uh, you know, there's only so much you're going to be able to do. It's, it's, it sucks. It's garbage in, garbage out. Um, I found that a, a plugin called Sound Soap is probably one of the better ways to approach a problem like that, just in terms of cleaning up noise. Uh, it's never going to be perfect, but that might help you out. 
Um, I wouldn't rely on the built-in background noise remover in Final Cut if you're a Final Cut user. I don't know what Premiere has. I'm sure they have some sort of a noise plugin. Um, but I would say SoundSoap is probably your best bet. And uh, it's relatively cheap. I think it's $150 for SoundSoap, the latest version. But you don't need the pro version. I think you can get away with just using the basic. Um, so I would check that out and see if that's something that you were, uh, that you were interested in doing. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you really quickly about MediaZilla.com. MediaZilla.com. Are you still delivering DVDs and Blu-rays? Are you still spending hours of your precious time building them in a crappy, unsupported piece of DVD creation software like DVD Studio Pro or Adobe Encore, only to deal with the same bugs and failed burns? Why would you do that? Oh my God, those days. Thank God they're over for me. Let me tell you about MediaZilla. Frankly, if you're not using MediaZilla by now and you've been in business for more than five minutes, then you might want to have your freaking head examined because MediaZilla is how all of the top professionals in our business are now delivering their films. MediaZilla is an all-encompassing hosting and delivery platform that allows you to deliver your products digitally on the web, USB flash drive on custom DVD and Blu-ray discs, and shareable links for social media all in one place at one low price per year. MediaZilla uses studio quality encoding to create branded animated menus plus... You get to customize their color schemes, upload music to play on the menus, and much, much more. And rumor has it there's soon going to be an Apple TV app to make playing your beautiful films so much easier for your clients. Get on board with the future. Stop living in the past and head on over to MediaZilla.com and sign up today. Be sure to tell them Rob Adams sent you. That's MediaZilla.com. MediaZilla.com. I want to thank MediaZilla for being a sponsor on the program. Always great to have them aboard. And uh, honestly, I, I do use MediaZilla. That's how I deliver everything now. I don't mess around with um, Vimeo links. I do put everything on Vimeo. And uh, if a bride asks me specifically for a Vimeo link because she wants to do something with it, fine, no problem. But I deliver the entire collection of videos with a custom menu with MediaZilla. Uh, and I know a lot, of the, uh, a lot of guys in the industry have moved over that way. If you are not using MediaZilla and you are delivering any sort of video product, even if it's a slideshow, this a photo slideshow, go look at what MediaZilla has to offer because just being able to burn DVDs and Blu-rays and create USB flash drives, that simply is worth the low price per year for MediaZilla.com. So I want to thank MediaZilla for being a sponsor on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this debut episode of the We Be Rolling podcast. We are going to have so much more content. Again, let me just recap the schedule for you as we get closer uh, or as we move along in the month. Next week, February 14th, 3 p.m., right here, we're going to have a roundtable discussion between videographers and photographers with Vanessa Joy, Moshe Zuzman, Leah Bourgeois, Greg Lassick, and myself, Rob Adams, at February 21st. Craig Adams from Wedding Film School is going to be on the show with us. The following Tuesday, February 28th, is our reunion show with the original We Be Rolling cast. Leah, Axel, Courtney, and Rob, of course, myself. March 7th, we'll have on the program Matt Koza. And March 14th on the program, we're going to have John Santos. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the We Be Rolling Podcast. We will see you next week with our uh, roundtable discussion. I'm going to go ahead and try to be fancy here and uh, play a little music out. Let's see if this actually works. No, it's not going to work. Okay. Like I said, we've got a lot of technical crap to work on, and uh, Mike and I will be busy over the next week trying to figure everything out. Thanks so much for tuning into the We Be Rolling podcast. I'm Rob Adams. Have a great week. We'll talk to you real soon.